0: Overdrive.
1: Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that practices what it preaches, most of the time, on the subject of cars and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories with David Campbell, including Tesla says it will build a ute. We have a chat with Brian Smith about whether it is a good idea to make public transport free, as is being trialled in Europe. The answer is not as straightforward as you might think. And talking about quirky, Errol Smith and I take a chucklesome look at a story or two of the day, including taking up an issue we raised a few weeks ago about Hyundai sponsoring the Soccer have a question or a comment send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au you can listen to longer segments by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favorite podcast service now to begin the program let's have the news
0: In recent times, the Ute has been making a comeback. Last month, Australians bought more Utes and SUVs than any time in our motoring history. Utes such as the Toyota Hilux, the Ford Ranger, and the Mitsubishi Triton have pushed former small car favorites such as the Toyota Corolla, the Hyundai i30, and the Mazda 3 off the podium. Now, Tesla has announced that it wants some of the Ute market and has released a futuristic image of a pickup that it plans to launch. It's a spin off from its prime mover truck. The new Tesla pickup could redefine the pickup segment for not only size but performance, especially if it comes equipped with the SEMI's powerful electric motors, which can launch it from a standstill to 100 km per hour in just 5 seconds. If fitted with the same huge battery pack, the Tesla pickup could offer a range between battery charges of up to 800 km. The ute would feature suspension that automatically adjusts rear damping, rebound and compression based on load weighting when it is released to the market around 2019. Jaguar continues to release innovative performance vehicles. The latest is the XE SV Project 8. The Project 8 is the most powerful Jaguar road car ever and first road legal Jaguar with a 441 kilowatt 5 liter supercharged V8 engine. It recently achieved the lap record at the famous Nürburgring racetrack with a 7 minute 21 second lap time making it the fastest road legal four-door sedan to race there. The Project 8 features manually adjustable ride height, aerodynamics and intelligent driveline dynamic settings for circuit use as well as Jaguar's new carbon ceramic braking system. However the car is not cheap at £150,000 or around 267,000 Australian dollars. The Project 8 is only available in left-hand drive and unfortunately will not be sold in Australia. And while the Jaguar Project 8 has set a new lap record at Nürburgring for a four-door sedan, Porsche has truly obliterated the overall lap record, lowering it from 6 minutes 11 seconds to 5 minutes and 19 seconds. The record was achieved in a heavily modified 919 Evo based on Porsche's successful Le Mans 24-hour racer, which won the 24-hour event last year before the firm withdrew from endurance racing. Most motor racing lap records are broken regularly, but only by a small amount each time. But this was a significant new record, cutting nearly 20% off the old record which was set in 1983. The circuit is over 20km long, meaning the Porsche averaged 234km per hour. Last week, Overdrive reported on the electric VW, which smashed the Pike's peak record by 16 seconds, lowering it to 7 minutes, 57 seconds. The first batches of batteries from electric and hybrid vehicles are hitting retirement age, yet they aren't bound for landfills. Instead, they'll spend their golden years chilling beer at 7-elevens in Japan, powering car charging stations in California, and storing energy for home and grids in Europe lithium-ion car and bus batteries can collect and discharge electricity for another seven to ten years after being taken off the roads and stripped from the chassis finding ways to reuse the technology is becoming more urgent as the global stockpile of EV batteries is forecast to exceed the equivalent of about 3.4 million packs by 2025 compared with about 55,000 this year China where about Half the world's EVs are sold is implementing rules to make car makers responsible for expired batteries and to keep them out of landfills. The European Union has similar regulations and the industry expects the US to follow suit. Jaguar Land Rover is testing a fleet of connected cars that can talk to each other on UK roads. The trials are part of a £7 million CITE CITE project creating the UK's first fully connected road infrastructure to prepare for self-driving cars. Road infrastructure and vehicles, including Discovery Sports, Range Rovers and F-Paces, have been kitted out with a world-first combination of wireless technologies. The research fleet of connected cars talk to each other and the surroundings to improve safety, avoid accidents and prepare for self-driving. Electric cars have started to dominate racing series from the Pikes Peak hill climb to formula cars, right through to Saturday night grudge matches between Tesla and Dodge Challenger owners at rented local drag strips. At professional levels though, racing organisations have been slow to change, and stock cars and drag racing organisations have been among the most resistant to electric powertrains. Just days after the electric Volkswagen trounced the course record at Pikes Peak, Glenn Cromwell, the president of the American drag racing series, the NHRA, says electric car races are just around the corner for perhaps one of racing's most traditional professional sanctioning bodies. He said that electric drag cars are an important part of the future. The organisation has already talked to major sponsors and is developing marketing materials for electric racing. And that has been the news. It's welcome back to Brian Smith.
1: Good day, Brian. Good day, David. Now, Brian, you have um, a, a serious story, but one that I think is worth some reflection.
2: And it's a public transport story, David, which is good. Germany is having to uh, slash public transport fares to fight pollution in five of its cities. The story goes that the European Union Commission has taken uh, Berlin to task for not meeting some targets and guidelines that they've set for nitrogen dioxide levels. Um, in response, even though the Germany had said that they intended to uh, provide free public transport fares, they're cutting the price by uh, to a euro per day or a 365 euro annual um, subscription fee in the cities of Bonn, Essen, Herrenberg, Mannheim and Rütlingen. Uh, these are in West Germany and, and the uh, reduction in, in price will slash public transport fares. Now, Vienna did this in Austria recently the same thing in fact the the one euro per day uh, subscription ticket uh, it doubled patronage on their public transport system and uh, encouraged people to give up driving cars uh, but of course then the city had to invest a whole lot more into uh, the bus and uh, rail system which raised the expenses one of the issues David you and I would know is that uh, if you reduce the cost of public transport and make it free Um, then uh, it's hard to get value out of it. People will use it and there's a huge burden of cost Hmm. um, that has to be taken into account. Uh, In Vienna, it it was pretty good. Um, 38% of the population uses public transport now. Berlin's just 27%. Um, So the European Commission is yet to approve the subsidy, uh, which Germany intends uh, introducing in order to provide these slashed fares, but uh, it's expected to be approved... Uh, and it'll cost something like um, 128 million euros extra uh, to uh, mm. cheapen the price of tickets
1: and expand services. It's always been the push as a statement of faith that let's just make public transport free. Now, the Austrian example, I don't think the key measure is the number of extra people who, or extra trips that are done on public transport. I think the key measure is the number of car trips that are reduced. yes and, and in fact they're two different things because if travel is free, that doesn't that means you put a zero value on it in many ways. And if you put a zero value on it you you run the risk of it being abused we put a zero zero value on pollution so we don't give a stuff about it until, of course, it takes a value of perhaps causing you illness. And, of course, if the public transport
2: system isn't very good uh, or the system is crowded, then um, there's little to encourage people to, to switch. And so you actually have to have a product that's worth changing to in order to encourage. So just dropping the price down isn't enough. You actually have to have a good service to start with. Now, luckily, many of these cities do have good light rail, bus and rail systems. Uh, But this is often brought up in Australia, isn't it? Why don't we just make public transport free and that will solve all of our problems? And of course, people will use PT more, but possibly uh, not cut down on on car trips.
1: Well, the fact that if people travel a lot further, even if they're on public transport, there's a cost in that. If people travel more often, you might say that's automatically a good idea, but... If it's unbounded, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. One glass of wine a day is good, but 10 might not necessarily be 10 times better, perhaps, (laughs) or that. The other issue that they often raise in terms of making public transport a zero price, well, the old issue was that you remove the immense amount of cost of collecting the fares. Yes. But it's not that simple because that then removes people from the station and so on. But the, the, the other issue now is that we, because of cards, the collecting of fares and therefore of information is about who travels, well, not who travels, but how often people travel and where, is a, a much more valid and much more easier to collect. Yes, potentially lost under a system where you're not issuing tickets or anything. Do you remember Hong Kong used to collect 25 tonnes of coins per day in their public transport? Now, of course, it's all electronic.
2: Ticketed, yeah, e-tickets.
1: And so the whole notion of that saving of manpower is reduced. Now, my problem has always been that if you make public transport free, you suddenly get real estate agents doing boom sales 50, 60, 80 kilometres away from the city centre. Not everyone goes to the city centre, but mate, 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 you've got free public transport. doesn't matter. Well, I don't think that's yeah. a good result, but I'm totally for public transport. I'll give you an example. You know, if I can get concession, it's almost worth my time. Occasionally, just hopping on a train, going for a long trip and working, I'm I'm away from the phones, I'm away from the the, the internet, even if I want to be much more. Now, that's not a valid public transport trip. That's a using of the service in a way that costs a community for which there is no direct benefit. Yes, David. Good points all. Again, I'm not saying that you should make it infinite. Most research tended to say it was inelastic, that after the first week of putting the fares up, people hit the roof, but then they settle down. I don't think it's that simple. The other reason is that the best value for putting in public transport is often in the marginal outer areas where people are likely to be of lower socioeconomic income and they therefore benefit more from it. So I think there are key measures to, to do that, but a subsidy across the board can be dangerous. You know what they used to do that with, of course, was water. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, of course, who benefited the most from having an across-the-board subsidised water rate? Well, the answer was the rich who had yes. m- more gardens and swimming pools a blunt instrument david yeah yeah but but e- equally you know it's one of those statements of faith which sound great but really um, we were talking to professor david henchard last week about the need to say well let's not just apply these willy nilly you're
3: listening to overdrive
1: Now, just a quick catch-up on some of the things that we've put up on our website at drivenmedia.com.au. We now have the full interview with Paul Morrell on his ownership of a 1965 Honda S600, a chain-driven sports car, great character, annoying idiosyncrasies, the car that is not Paul Morrell. We also have the full version of the interview with Professor David Henscher on what we're getting wrong with our transport planning. And a couple of new videos, including the Mazda BT-50 and the new Range Rover Velar. We sit an owner of a 1964 EH Holden in this new vehicle, with all its bells and whistles, and ask him to spot the differences. And you can see and hear all those on our website at drivenmedia.com.au. You're listening to Overdrive. Hey, the electric world. Brian, it's uh, interesting now that we're breaking a lot more records now with electric vehicles, but not just on the road, talking about transport in general, but on the water. that uh, The Jaguar companies linked with the Vector British company, which was launched in 2012, uh, to do things like breaking records, and they've broken the world water record by an electric vehicle. Is that very convincing to you, Brian? It's
2: pretty impressive, David. It's... Uh... The speed, the average speed was almost 90 miles per hour uh, across this course in England. Um, so I think it is impressive. Uh, I think uh, uh, I'm seeing uh, electric ferries being trialled. I'm seeing uh, hydrogen fuel cell ferries being trialled. So um, maritime vessels are pretty dirty as a rule. So uh, euro standards haven't really caught up. Uh, buses are kind of euro five these days. Um, I'm not sure that the... The vessels have caught up, so there's still a lot of particulates and a lot of dirty uh, motive power in uh, ferries and the like. So I'm always interested in seeing ele- good uses of electric uh, power in
1: uh, on the water. Symbolic, and because the old what's the word the the diesel f- fuel they use in big ships is the old um, is it trunker no you know t- terrible quality diesel where they just churn it out. I think. Uh, ships are one of the great polluters of transport into the atmosphere. Mm, indeed. Mm. Now, they say, of course, it is a great honour for the Vector team to follow in the footsteps of Donald Campbell, Donald Campbell. CBE, mm. who set the world record on the same historic uh, Coniston water. i uh, just, just point out a minor point here. Donald Campbell died <laughs> setting the water speed record on constant water. Coniston water. I, so they didn't
2: really follow in his footsteps
1: then. <laughs> well, in his footsteps, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. with concrete blocks to the bottom of the the water, wasn't it? Do you know, I, I wonder whether Jaguar is sort of doing these sort of things, a bit like the Elon Musk approach. You don't pay for advertising, you do quirky things.
2: Well, it's an interesting uh, link with Formula One racing because it's the same technology that they've uh, they're using in Formula E with their Panasonic Jaguar racing uh, team. Hmm. Uh, and could this be one of the very few crossovers from, uh, so from Formula One where you could actually say, yes, yeah, this has actually inspired <laughs> something potentially
1: useful? Elon Musk doesn't pay for any marketing. He just, as I say, do these quirky things. Or The other alternative in Australia is to get morning television to do a, quote, news story on uh, your particular product.
2: Yes, like the, the
1: uh, uh, Virgin Branson style oh, approach, isn't it? Or anything from Coles or Woolworths. <laughs> you, you, know, you get a three-minute three, three minute news, inverted commas story, about Coles and Woolworths starting a new strategy to help the customer. Yeah, right, that hasn't been paid for, has it?
0: <laughs>
1: Brian, if you are an old curmudgeon for many years of your life condemning other drivers... Do you think you've really been a good road safety advocate? I talk, of course, in the Northern Virginia uh, situation where for the last 30 years an old uh, American US Marine Corps colonel railed against local drivers and so symbolically they referred to it in his obituary when he died would you like to be remembered like that brian it's kind of a little bit of uh, grumpiness from beyond the grave isn't it <laughs> his,
2: his wife actually read out um that uh he he hated the way all of you were incapable of driving competently so he actually he he, he set a curse out against the the People of Northern Virginia for their driving. Um, as he died, I, I think that's a, a very uh, long-lived footprint on on East uh, So, look, I, I think at that point, when you when you sort of you've died, it, it might be nicer
1: just to to uh, live and let live, you know. and... <laughs> Well all the people still driving now say well at least I'm still alive. I have to uh, deliver this paper in uh, July in Perth on road safety. My opening line is if I told you once I told you a thousand times. Now I never considered myself a recalcitrant child but it may surprise you Brian to know I heard adults say that to me many times.
2: (laughs) Every child has the same
1: experience. (laughs) Well it may not surprise you yes. That point is that simply repeating the same old stern message clearly didn't work in this case because for 30 years he was still a very unhappy man.
2: Well, I figured, maybe he figured that, uh, that you know, on his deathbed or if he's, he's sort of, I guess, dying words almost, that people might pay more attention to that. Or he'll come you know? back and haunt you? Yeah, yeah. I'd like It'd be more dramatic if it really was sort of like the, the last whispered phrase but it seems a very <laughs> negative thing to go out on particularly if there's a chance of karma uh, or if he's, he's returned you know as a piece of roadkill or something like
1: that <laughs> yes. Yes. dying famous dying words use your blinkers <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brian uh, a message from the grave uh, perhaps for us all but will we ever follow it lovely to talk to you mate catch you up next week thank you david and that's brian smith and we were talking some quirky news here On Overdrive This is Overdrive across Australia A few weeks ago we did a quirky news story on Hyundai sponsoring the soccer as they've done for some time here in Australia but how they're upping their contributions particularly with the World Cup Errol Smith and I added a few more comments Hyundai has done an ad. It's a lovely shoot, they say. They're really doing it for the fans, which is, I think is rather good. And so they have two of their top footballers from Chelsea come into this photographer, and there's three fans there with uh, the strip on, the jumpers and that to do with the Chelsea football team. And the photographer asks the three fans what they want, coffee, tea, and they've said it. And he turns to the footballer and says, oh, you get it, will you? And then he does a whole shoot is taking pictures of the fans (laughs) in the strip. Hyundai Motor Company announced the deal and they see it uh, as a part of a major role where they're asking football fans to treat it rather laid back because they're also sponsoring a rock band called Maroon 5 to sing some Bob Marley songs, particularly Three Little Birds, which is a song about... Joy and peace and what have you. Mm. And so their line is, with with its laid-back positive vibes, Three Little Birds is the perfect song to encourage football fans to forget their worries and focus on the tournament as a whole. This is the World Cup. Embracing it as a celebration of sport rather than experiencing the highs and lows of each match.
3: Right, right. I admire their intent, but I don't think it's going to work. So, David, so basically they're getting a dated band to cover an even more dated and dead singer.
1: I listened to Maroon 5. I wasn't at all impressed. I I hadn't listened really to much of Bob Marley. I listened to this Three Little Birds, and it it wasn't too bad. It was an upmarket version of that, not version, but an upmarket example of that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. It's positive.
3: Right. I failed to see... The motoring connection, I think it's uh, well yeah. how Hyundai has, has has managed to join themselves with this is uh, is beyond me. But I think what they're trying to do with all of this is, I guess, aim at the audience. Yes, it's the yeah. the fans that are more likely to be buying a Hyundai than than the uh, players, isn't it? Let's face it. Oh well, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Now, the words to the song are Don't Worry About a Thing, of course, every little thing's going to be all right. Singing Don't Worry About a Thing, of course, every little thing's going to be all right. It's rather repetitious, to say the least. The link is the Don't Worry, Everything's Going to Be All Right is an ad where Hyundai's avoid accidents because of their clever technology and automatic emergency braking. It doesn't run into the back of a bus. And also, there's something that I think was inevitable to come. A young kid tries to get out of the door and a bus is going past and they can't open the door. I hope we go to that because dooring of cyclists is a terrible thing. Mm. I've not doored a cyclist, but I've hopped out of a door without looking enough to whether a cyclist might be there.
3: Yes, and there's a lot of cyclists who refuse to use the bicycle lane which is basically alongside the parked cars for that very reason.
1: Bob Marley has a number of sayings. Herb is the healing of nation. Alcohol is the destruction. So he's a drug addict. Yes, that's good. The good times of today are the sad thoughts of tomorrow, Bob Marley is quoted of saying. He died in 1981, by the way. But So he's a pessimist. And one of his final say- sayings is Babylon is everywhere. You have wrong and you have right. Wrong is what we call Babylon, wrong things. That is what Babylon is to me. I could have born in England. I could have born in America. I have no difference where me born because there is Babylon everywhere. So
3: clearly, he's a loony. Yes, I, I think he. I think he enjoyed a bit of that um, herb. And the herb perhaps a little bit too much indeed yes
1: now in malaysia the uh, tun dr mahatia muhammad has just been elected prime minister again a few weeks or months ago now he's just done a four minute road safety video errol you know i'm delivering a paper on road safety in july in perth and i have to say that i am aiming that it has empathy and interaction with young people Having a 92-year-old prime minister who, as a sign of dispensing with formality, get this, Errol, he undid his coat button. Oh, wow. Wow. Risky. Well, he's just one of the boys, one of the kids. (laughs) Although he did say, after all, some people, when they get to my age, they lack energy in most cases. If you're 90, there's no need to drive. He's 92 or 94, I think.
3: Right. Wow. I actually thought this was a follow-on to the previous story because the, the, the headline of the story is Dr M, who I just assumed was a, a rapper or something. <laughs> That's his nickname. Are people going to listen to an old guy? But I guess it, it's a bit of a coup, though, to get the, the, the PM. I mean, I can't imagine Malcolm Turnbull getting involved in a road safety video. Oh, I think he would, if they're, like any politician, if there
1: were votes in it. But the <laughs> thing is that this guy, of course... Has a reputation for being fairly aggressive against his opponents. He was the guy who, who was it, Abraham, wasn't it? Anwar Abraham, as was the Deputy Prime Minister, and they sort of had a falling out, I think. Because I remember I was in Malaysia one time for the launch of a car, and they handed this, this wonderful tourist book, Come Visit the Glories of Malaysia. And in it was this huge picture of Abraham as the Deputy Prime Minister, but the book was out of date because the guy had been thrown in jail. <laughs> Road safety, I think you really just can't try and put on a smile and be a bit blokey and do a few dad jokes and think that you're going to reach the young people. Errol, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Always, no David. Errol Smith, and we were talking some quirky news. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Brian Smith, Errol Smith, David Campbell and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to longer segments by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.